Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 cast, episode 29, featuring your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. Today, on this week's episode of the 8311 cast, we're going to be giving you all things sports into your beautiful ears, specifically talking about the NFL draft results, the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, Formula One, your weekly turtle tab, which leads us right into our MLB segment, along with our other signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions. Kyle, should we change around the order that we're going to do things now, just because Wyatt established the order? Just... He did down. it beforehand. Should we shake it up and go to MLB first? I mean, go, go back to front. Start with our. Uh, no. like, oh, yeah, we could start with the predictions. Then... Well, no, we that have, might we always screw Wyatt end... over because he doesn't have a prediction yet. I don't have we a prediction have to... either, so we really shouldn't start with no. that. Plus, we always end with that because that, that's how like the, the tagline goes from right. That I would down. just like to say that it has taken me 29 episodes to finally come prepared with a write that down prediction already put in before we started. I'm proud of you. Thanks. I'm I'm very proud of you, Kyle. But you know who did come prepared were everybody who actually got drafted uh, in the NFL draft this past weekend. Huh? Yeah, that was that was a transition. I'm lost. Uh, this is very eloquent, Kyle. I'm very lost. I don't know how that transition happened. So we're talking about the NFL draft now. No, I got that. Gathering? I got that. Okay. Yes, we are talking okay. about the NFL draft. So the number one overall pick was Kyler Murray uh, after a lot of speculation on whether or not he would get drafted first overall by the Cardinals. So he's finally reunited with a head coach who always recruited him out of high school but never landed him um, because he didn't want to play for Texas Tech or Houston. Uh, So instead, he is going to Arizona. He will be bringing the air raid-style offense to the Cardinals, and he will be throwing to Hakeem Butler and Larry Fitzgerald on the outside. Hakeem Butler did get drafted in the fourth round, which is a little bit later than everybody was predicting and that we expected. Uh, but he was drafted fourth round first overall by the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, if you hadn't, if you didn't see uh, how they actually made their selection, go and look up Hakeem Butler uh, NFL draft selection. It was a very interesting uh, pick as they did kind of an old Western shootout type deal. Just go look it up. Also another uh, player to get drafted from the Cyclones was David Montgomery. He went in the third round to the Chicago Bears, so the Bears now have their running back of the future after they traded away Jordan Howard in this past offseason. So look to see David Montgomery getting a lot of first down carries with Tariq Cohen being the uh, obviously the third down back there uh, for them in that offense. Uh, other than that, um, a few Iowa State uh, players are getting opportunities as undrafted free agents. The only one that is actually signed with the team is Matthew Eaton. He signed with the Packers, so now he'll be keep competing uh, in the offseason against Alan Lazard to earn a actual roster spot for the regular season. Brian Peavy has also been invited to the Arizona Cardinals camp. Willie Harvey has been invited to work out with the Browns and the Jags in their mini camps. And uh, Sam Seen Buckner, the tight end, uh, was also invited to work out with the Bills and the Packers in their mini camps. Um, but other than that, just a few, we'll just go around the horn and talk about our, our respective teams and uh, what we thought about their draft classes. 
I think the Chiefs, uh, well, they obviously didn't have a first-round pick as earlier in the week right before the draft happened. They uh, traded their first-round pick for Frank Clark. So now this is a very stacked defensive line for the uh, upcoming 2019 season. Uh, the defensive line has players such as Chris Jones, uh, Frank Clark now, uh, Emmanuel Ogba from the Browns, and they also have uh, a couple players that they drafted in the draft as well. So the defensive line is going to be really like good. Draft people doing the draft? No, you don't actually. Uh, and the safety position got stronger as they got Thornwell from the uh, Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, yes, Virginia does have a football team, not just a basketball team. And he is a strong hitting safety who's able to cover really well um, if he needs to when coming down to cover the slot. And out of that, and potentially now with the Tyree Kill uh, damnation with his recent evidence coming out uh, in an audio uh, clip. They also drafted a potential suitor for him uh, in the draft as well, second round, with Nicole Hardman out of Georgia. Why didn't they draft Hakeem Butler in the second round? Um, because they were looking for speed, and Hakeem Butler isn't the epitome of speed. If they need a guy, they already have a guy with Hakeem Butler's measurables, and that's Sammy Watkins, and... Hakeem Butler doesn't run any faster than Sammy Watkins and isn't that much taller. But he also taller. doesn't get hurt like that, Sammy Watkins that's does true. every year. Sammy Watkins does get hurt, but it's it's all good. They'll figure it out. They know what they're doing. Yeah, I was also uh, a fan of the Vikings draft class this year. They did something that they uh, haven't done since the 1990s, and they spent all three of their first-round draft picks on offensive players which just generally doesn't happen, and especially for a uh, Mike Zimmer coach team, someone who loves defense, to uh, spend all three of those picks on offense was pretty interesting. They finally picked up a much-needed offensive lineman in the first round, picking up uh, center uh, Garrett Bradbury from NC State. He'll probably play center, but uh, there's a chance that he will, uh, that uh, Pat Arfine will stay at center and he will switch off to some other point on the offensive line. So you said they spent all of their first round draft picks? All three of their first picks. Okay, okay. First picks, not first round. Yeah. There you go, bud. That, I didn't say first round You picks. said first round picks. No, I said all three of their first picks. Why You you can't play that back, can you, to prove that I'm right? You People will listen back and see that I'm right. Yeah, right, right now I'm not going to do that because okay. that's just not worth it. Okay, people will see that I'm right in good time. But uh, in the second round, they went with Irv uh, Smith Jr., a tight end out of Alabama. This should allow them to utilize a lot of two tight end sets and keep Laquan Treadwell off the field, which is a good thing because Laquan Treadwell is awful. Um, so hopefully Irv Smith will be able to pick up some uh, some catches and we can keep Treadwell off the field. And then they found their number two running back in the third round, picking Alexander Matson out of Boise State. A running back, so he will slot in as the number two back behind Dalvin Cook for this year, assuming he stays healthy, and that will be another good pick. So overall, the Vikings, uh, I think, drafted pretty well. They also traded down a ton in the third round, like three or four times, and ended up with a, like, a ton of picks uh, in rounds four, five, six, and seven. So they had an exciting last day of the draft with a ton of picks. But overall, I was a big fan of the Vikings draft. I think it went really well. You guys also signed Stefan Diggs' brother as an undrafted free agent. Yeah. 
He plays defensive back, in case you didn't Let's know. Let's hope he's as good as his brother. Eh, maybe. Maybe not. He obviously didn't get drafted. Do you know who else didn't get drafted? Adam Thielen. He's right. now one of the best wide receivers in the right. NFL. He is really good. So, Wyatt, what about your uh, Chicago Bears? Oh, they picked up uh, David Montgomery, and I'm super pumped. Yes, we did talk about that. Oh, did you? I was not paying attention. Uh, I was doing other producery things. So, go Bears. Go Montgomery. Woot. Yeah. So, there you have it. There are the three uh, respective NFL teams for your 8311 cast hosts. Uh, so, now moving off of the gridiron... Uh, and on to the hardwood, the NBA playoffs are continuing on. The second round is now finally upon us after uh, Denver was able to hold off San Antonio in Game 7 of their first-round playoff uh, series. Uh, so Denver moves on, and they will face Portland uh, in Round 2. That series will begin on Monday. So at the, at the time that this beautiful podcast reaches all of your ears, uh, they will be playing in that evening. Uh, so a couple of art, other games that have already happened, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks and Boston Celtics, which we had already talked about last week is moving on to the second round. The Boston Celtics dismantled the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round game. So the Boston Celtics won a road game. Uh, and so they were able to take a 22 point blowout win to the Bucks. So we will see how that series continues to shape up and shape out. Uh, Toronto was led by uh, Siakam, or I forget, I don't know actually how to pronounce his name, and Kawhi Leonard. They scored 74 of the team's total points, which was well over 60% of the team's points, and Kawhi Leonard had over 40, which he joins only Vince Carter as one of only two Raptors who have scored 40-plus point games in NBA playoffs. Uh, so Toronto was able to handle Philly in that uh, game one, so they lead the series one nothing, and a game that just wrapped up uh, a few hour or less than an hour ago from when we are recording this podcast. The Golden State Warriors uh, came into the game a little banged up as Clay Thompson and Steph Curry were both uh, questionable for this game, but they were able to hold off the Houston Rockets as Kevin Durant had another great game, and he's just been playing absolutely phenomenally throughout this entire. Uh, NBA playoffs and that is your update for the NBA the NHL playoffs are also uh, going along right now they go till June for those of you who are curious um, they are into the second round unlike the uh, NBA the NHL is not weird and they wait for the entire first round to finish before they start the second round unlike the NBA where you get confused when they start playing first-round Game 7s at the same time as second-round Game 2s, and everybody gets confused who's actually in what round. The NHL just waits till everybody's down in their first round and goes into their second round. So in the Western Conference, advancing out of that first round were the Colorado Avalanche and San Jose Sharks, and currently in that second-round series, the Sharks are leading one game to zero. Um, St. Louis and Dallas also advanced out of the... Uh, Western Conference first round, and that series is tied at one apiece. Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Islanders uh, were two of the teams to advance out of the East, and Carolina currently leads that uh, series two games to nothing. And Boston and Columbus also advanced out of the East, and that series is tied at 1-1 in the second round. There have been lots of overtime games in this uh, NHL playoffs. A ton of exciting hockey, a lot of double overtime games. 
single overtime games, things like that. They've just been really exciting. Um, a real interesting one was the uh, game one between the uh, Hurricanes and Islanders. It ended in uh, overtime, one to nothing. Finally, when uh, Carolina was able to score, so it was a shutout for like seventy minutes, both ways, before Carolina was able to put in the game-winning goal. So that was a pretty interesting game. But also this week, I'm really excited to talk about is probably one of the most weird, quirky, exciting games of hockey that I have ever heard of. So it was game seven between San Jose and Las Vegas in the uh, first round of the Western Conference. The game was in San Jose uh, because they were the higher seed. So through the first two periods, um, Vegas had taken a two to nothing lead behind outstanding uh, goalie play by uh, Golden Knights goalie Mark Andre Fleury. He was just playing outstanding. He denied a ton of great chances from the San Jose Sharks and allowed Vegas to take a two to nothing lead going into the uh, third period. And then about and then about five minutes into the third period, something like that, Vegas scored a third goal to go up three nothing in the third period, and at that point, everyone pretty much thought the game was over. 3 nothing lead, less than 15 minutes left. No way that San Jose was going to be able to overcome that and come back. But then, this is where the fireworks start. With about 10 and a half minutes left, um, right off a of face-off, Vegas was called for a what I consider a very questionable five-minute major penalty. I don't really know what he did. He checked the guy kind of hard, and the guy fell and hit his head and was bleeding, but I didn't necessarily see anything illegal about the hit but anyway he got a five minute major penalty for that and now if you guys remember from our stupid rules segment much earlier in this podcast i talked about a five minute major penalty do either of you two remember what's different between a five minute major penalty and a two minute minor penalty besides the fact that you know it's five minutes in the penalty box versus two um something to do with power play right well that's what happens when somebody gets a penalty yeah they get a power play like you only get a major penalty if you draw blood I remember no, that. not necessarily. Oh, well, that's the, just for the, high Wait, sticking. no, the uh, they can't change lines during a power play, right? Nope. Dang it, that's after icing. Ah. Uh, can you give us a hint? It has to do with when the power play ends. When the power play ends. So normally, that team... oh, normally a power play ends like on a minor penalty oh, when, when the score. team scores a goal. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But it yeah. does it only it, so in the major penalty you have to it serve ends all after 5, five minutes. minutes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, since it was right. a major penalty, Vegas had to score or had to serve all 5 minutes of that penalty regardless of how many times San Jose scored. And during that 5 minute major penalty, San Jose scored not one, not two, not three, but four goals during that 5 minute major penalty. They turned a 3 nothing deficit into a 4-3 lead in the course of scoring four power play goals on that five-minute major penalty. And at that point, you thought the game was over. You thought there's no way that Vegas can come back giving up four goals in five minutes to be able to come back and uh, score one to tie it up and send it to overtime. And then with less than a minute left, Vegas puts in a rebound to tie the game with less than a minute left. And that game was headed to overtime. They played about 10 minutes of overtime with that game tied at four before San Jose finally put in uh, the goal to win the game 5-4 and advance since it was game seven. It was winner take all. And it was just insane. To have that many goals scored on a major penalty like that to change a three-goal three deficit into one-goal lead 
is insane. But then to have it happen in such an important game, in the Game 7 of a playoff series, was just insane. Vegas was obviously very unhappy with the call after the game. It was, yeah, I thought it was a questionable call when I watched it. I wasn't sure, but it was what it was. And it was still just a fantastic effort from San Jose to be able to battle and uh, get those four goals on that major penalty. It was insane. So it'll be interesting to see if San Jose is able to ride that momentum and uh, help have that help them carry them forward, or if they will have a letdown in the next series against the Colorado Avalanche. I already told you in game one, at least, they were able to continue the momentum going because San Jose won game one. But it was just an insane game. You don't see games like that every day. Probably one of the best hockey games ever right there. For all of our listeners out there, I really hope that you just all appreciate how much energy and excitement Mike had for that segment. Like, it just got me more excited because it felt like I was actually watching it in a replay. It just was exciting, so I hope you all appreciate that. He's pouring his heart and soul into this podcast. Did you just give him a compliment? I did. That doesn't happen often. See, never. It was, it was so unlikely that I thought he was being sarcastic. And I he did too. Insult me at I, the was, end. I was waiting for the the insult to come around. Never happened. You know who is also excited about having his very own segment, though? That's me. Your other host <laughs> and production aficionado. I wouldn't say aficionado, but that your works your production our production manager. Sure, <laughs> the guy who does things. I'm talking about Formula One, and that is my segment because I love F1. Unfortunately, I'm not as good as a presenter as Mike is, but hey, I'm getting there. So we're going to give you an update on the 2019 Azerbaijan Grand Prix that happened on Sunday. So as I said, the 2019 Azerbaijan Grand Prix happens in the country of Azerbaijan, which if you don't know is somewhere in Eastern Europe. I think it's south of Russia, right next to the country, Georgia, not, not the state, Dep- Georgia. Depending on who you talk to, it is Russia. Yeah, I'm not talking to Vlad, though talking talking to my fellow americans or that and one guy from that grand tour episode where his land got oh yeah stolen from that was him. really sad you guys should go check out the grand tour if you haven't and watch the uh, the special where they travel from georgia to azerbaijan um and i said to my fellow americans we actually have some international viewers too so shout out to my people in germany we have like four or five people that listen to us every your, week your from germany. people my people our people i our people sure those people doesn't matter so this is the fourth grand prix this season uh the fourth race in the grand prix this season and the fourth time that this track in baku is actually being used for an fia sanctioned event track was originally opened up in 2016 with the european grand prix and then had its inaugural race as the azerbaijan grand prix in 2017 and has been like that for the past three years this is the first street track that we've seen this year uh, in F1, the track length is 3.73 miles for a 51-lap race. And fun fact, do you know how it is determined how many laps is being raced for any any given F1 race, by chance? You guys have any ideas? It's the mileage, right? It's the mileage or a time limit. So it's either 305 kilometers or 189.5 miles or two hours, whichever comes first. So you'll often see the time limit enforced in smaller tracks, like in Monaco. Uh, especially if there's a rain delay or something, they ha- the race has to be up to two hours, and that's it. So sometimes you'll see the race canceled early due to a rain delay or some other uh, other delay. This is a fun track. It's raced in the evening in Baku, where uh, the track temp starts really hot and eventually cools off during the race, which poses some challenges for drivers. Uh, just to give an example, the track temp started out at 44 degrees Celsius, or 111 degrees Fahrenheit, ended up dropping to about 33 degrees Celsius, or 91 degrees Fahrenheit, towards the end of the race which really makes it hard for the drivers to uh, get grip with the tires. 
the hotter the tires, the hotter the track, the more grip you're going to get out of the tires. Uh, speaking of tires, a majority of the grid started out on the red stripe soft tires, which uh, allow for theoretically a faster lap time, but the tires degrade more quickly, uh, which was what the majority of the grid had. And eventually this changed before even the midpoint of the race where the entire grid swapped to medium uh, medium tires, yellow stripe medium tires. So it's supposed to give them more longevity, but for some reason they were getting faster times out of the medium tires, even as the track started to cool down. So there was a lot of incidents in the free practice in Baku, which is a track known for its collisions between moving and stationary objects. There's a lot of cars hitting other cars. Wait, and the stationary objects run into each other? No, where stationary oh, objects oh, aren't moving. So a collision, obviously, if there's a collision, there's going to be at least one moving object. So when I say there's a collision between moving and stationary objects, you you should imply that there's always a moving object, and it's either moving object hitting another moving object or a moving object hitting a stationary object. I think that was the best way to put that. How would you say it, Mike? Yeah, that's what I thought. I was about to talk, and then you cut me off. Nah, that's not true. You're just making stuff up. Kyle Schwab struck out, ha. Huh? Oh, rip. At least he's not charging the ump this time. Anyway, like I said, Baku is known for its collisions. There's always something going on, and most of the incidents actually happen in free practice. But the most, the most major incident was with Williams' George Russell, where a manhole cover popped up underneath the car as he was driving past it. And Wait, completely... what? What? It came up from under him? Yeah. It came Did up... a man servicing it come out? <laughs> Hello? It's like Mario where you're coming out of the tube. <laughs> uh, no, but the, it was just driving past it, and the manhole cover actually popped up and completely obliterated the floor of the car. Um, so just another woe that you can add on to Williams' awful career for the past five or seven years now in formula one and to, to rub some more salt on that wound the, the truck that picked up the car to carry it off the track because it was obviously undrivable after numerous lacerations from a manhole cover from the floor and suspension of the car uh, a truck came out by came by with a crane on top of it to pick up the car onto the flatbed and then drove off down the track where the truck then hit a bridge and caused hydraulic fluid to leak all over the car that was on the <laughs> truck bed and hydraulic fluid is really corrosive so uh, that super sucked for Williams. Like I said, they're always having a hard time. This isn't the first time that a manual cover has actually affected Williams. It's happened again in 2016, I think, with Valtteri Bottas uh, driving for Williams. And again in 2006. Um, so there's always some problem. Normally, the manhole covers are welded down or bolted down or something, uh, especially for street tracks like this. But they, the people in Baku don't even know what happened. They're just like, yeah, an unforeseen issue. Uh, arose during free practice wherein the car was damaged and they have nothing further to add on to that so fun stuff uh we'll actually get into the race now we'll talk about the starting grid so uh first through fifth place was Valtteri Bottas and Lewis Hamilton and first and second Mercedes again starting first and second on the grid no surprises there with the second and third being taken up by Sebastian Vettel and Max Verstappen in third and fourth place respectively and then Sergio Perez in fifth Sergio Perez in fifth gave racing Racing Point or Force India. I'm not sure. They changed their team name. It's one of the two. Or it might be both. It might be Racing Point Force India now. doesn't really matter. Gives them their best start this year and actually broke the streak of having the major three constructors taking the first five spots. Major three being Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull Racing. That was pretty cool. Um, this is Badass's eighth time starting on pole for his entire career. So good for him. Uh, Charles Leclerc, which is right now my favorite driver, started in eighth place after crashing in uh, the second round of qualifying. He actually set a fast enough time in Q2 before he crashed to not only make it through Q3, 
but he secured ninth place, essentially. So he still beat out somebody. He did start out in ninth place, but there was a driver that was disqualified that was right ahead of him that pushed him up into eighth place. So we'll get into that in just a second. Because there was three pit lane starts, which is a lot. Normally, cars don't start from the pit lane, and it's, uh, this is, it's just due to issues. So the three people who started in the pit lane was Robert Kubica, Pierre Gasly, and Kimi Raikkonen. So uh, Kubica, after crashing Q1, didn't actually set a time of qualifying, and their team opted to start him from the pit lane, which allows them to further work on the car and try to get it fixed up and whatnot after the crash. And they actually got slapped by a drive through penalty midway through the race because they broke some obscure rule that nobody knows about, where you have to wait like a certain amount of time after the pit lane closes, so all the cars go off onto the starting grid. The pit lane closes. You have to wait X number of minutes before you can put your car in the pit lane get ready to go they didn't wait that allocated amount of time so they got to drive their penalty for that which super sucks for uh, robert kubica pierre gasly uh missed a waybridge request from the track marshals in free practice two and essentially what happens is he went to the pit lane the marshal said hey you need to weigh your car because your car can only be so light you have to have so much weight on the car and rather than doing that he went and changed his tires and as soon as he changed the tires that affects the weight of the car which means that's illegal and he got slapped with uh, a pit lane start all the way from free practice, too. So that's not cool. And then Kimi Raikkonen also started in the pit lane after failing a front wing deflection test. Basically, the front wing can't wobble more than five millimeters, I think, during the duration of the test, and his did, so rip. We'll actually get into the race now, where Charles Leclerc dropped from his uh, aforementioned eighth place down to tenth on the starting lap, and then he climbed all the way up to fourth place before lap ten proving not only that he's an amazing driver, but also that Ferrari does have a fast car, but not quite as fast as Mercedes. Eventually, he did take the lead uh, ahead of Mercedes and his other uh, teammate, while uh, still on his starting set of medium tires. Like I said earlier, most of the grid started out in soft tires. Charles Leclerc started out in medium tires, which is cool, and he made it all the way to first place. It was actually a pretty calm race for Baku. Most of the instances, I guess, would happen in free practice. Uh, the first real incident was just Roman Grosjean uh, spinning out, in the turn after locking up one of his tires. He ended up losing five places just because he spun out. So that's not cool. Valtteri Bottas eventually overtakes Leclerc on lap 32. And there was another incident that happened almost at the exact same time. Where uh, Kvyat and Daniel Ricciardo caused an incident into a turn. Basically, as they were going into the turn, Daniel Ricciardo goes to the inside of Kvyat. And then locks up, forcing both of them into an exit lane. Which, okay, whatever, that happened. And then Daniel Ricciardo proceeds to back up directly into the body of Kvyat's car, damaging both of their cars. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo immediately retires due to damage to the car, and eventually Kvyat retires like on lap 40 uh, due to body damage as well. Um, Charles Leclerc ends up pitting on lap 35. He needed to pit five, maybe seven laps before that, but for some reason Ferrari didn't let him. Um, this is pretty costly, and we'll get back to that towards the end after dropping to fourth place. So he got passed by Valtteri Bottas, Lewis Hamilton, and Sebastian Vettel going from first to fourth. And then he comes out of the pit lane in sixth place, just behind Pierre Gasly, um, because they had a slightly slower pit stop than average. They were running about 2.8 seconds for the pit stop, while still extremely fast, isn't near as fast as their normal 2.4 second pit stop time, which is still insane. Just think, can you change four tires on your car in 2.4 seconds? No. No, I don't even think I could get the jack out of my car to... In 2.4 seconds. I don't even know where the jack in my I car I was going to say, I don't know if my car has a jack. I feel like mine does. I would guess mine does somewhere. Maybe I should figure that out at some point. Yeah, you might need that. 
So there were two more retirements on lap 40 for Pierre Gasly, which was probably due to some drivetrain issue, uh, and Romain Grosjean for a braking issue. They both retired. Uh, Pierre Gasly, the former, caused a virtual safety car to come out, which pushed Charles Leclerc for uh, a 20-second split behind Max Verstappen in fourth place to a 40-second split. So he's still in fifth place behind Max Verstappen, totally eliminating any chance for Charles Leclerc to get a podium finish, barring a safety car, which didn't happen. So then on lap 48 of 51, Ferrari pits Charles Leclerc again for a fresh set of soft tires to hopefully give him an advantage to get the fastest lap point. Uh, at the same time, Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas are battling for first place with Bottas in first currently. At some points, they're within 0.8 seconds, so you're driving bumper to, to, to front bumper, basically. It was really interesting. Uh, eventually, Lewis Hamilton drives off the road and costs himself about a second, so uh, giving Bottas the lead. Bottas then sets the fastest lap on lap 49 uh, during his battle with Lewis Hamilton at 1 minute 44 seconds, 0.166, which is pretty fast. Not as fast as the track record, which Sebastian Vettel set in 2017. But then Charles Leclerc goes and sets the fastest lap on lap 50 at 1 minute 43 seconds, 0.009, breaking the track record and securing him that extra point in the race. Uh, the race ends with Valtteri Bottas in first place with his fifth career win, followed by Lewis Hamilton in second and Sebastian Vettel in third to give Ferrari another podium finish. Merck is now 4 for 4 on finishing 1 and 2 this season. Currently, the standings are now Valtteri Bottas in first place overall with 87 points, Lewis Hamilton second place overall with 86 points, followed by Sebastian Vettel at 52 points, Max Verstappen at 51, and then my beloved Charles Leclerc at 47 points in fifth place overall. Notable finish is Kimi Raikkonen, aforementioned starting in the pit lane, ends up finishing in 10th place to give himself and his constructor, Alfa Romeo, points. That's pretty cool, so stay tuned for the next Grand Prix, Formula One Emirates Grand Prix Primero de España, or the Spanish Grand Prix, in 2019 in Barcelona on May 12th at 8.30 a.m. Central Time on ESPN2. That's my Formula One update. Yeah, how'd you like that? How'd you like them apples? It was actually pretty good. So we actually watched um, the highlight of the race in six minutes. Uh, your, your segment took a little bit longer than six minutes. But That's we bad. did we did see that accident occur. Which so, accident? The one where he backed up into him. Yeah, he just boop. Yeah. I, so. I assumed he just did it because he was pissed that the guy's wheel locked up and didn't let him turn. Well, he it was his wheel that locked up. The one who backed into him, the Wait, yellow car. The outside wheel, the guy. Why didn't the inside guy turn then? The inside guy is the one who whose wheel locked up, the yellow car. Right. Right. And so I thought then, the outside guy backed into him afterwards because he was pissed that the, the inside, inside guy's guy. wheel locked up, so the outside guy couldn't nope. turn. The inside guy is the one who backed up into him. If oh, you look okay. at it, that when they, when they pass each other like this, then the inside guy backs up into the oh, okay. inside guy's car. Okay. So, and that's actually under a review. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo might get hit with a penalty for locking up and not allowing um, Kvyat to make the turn. So that might be a penalty that's issued next race. Uh, we'll see. It's still under investigation by the FIA stewards. Interesting. So, Interesting. while they might be pissed off that their cars were damaged. Nobody on your eighty three eleven cast pod or your eighty three eleven cast podcast this week is actually upset or pissed off about anything, really. I mean, school's picking up. It's almost finals week. Dead week is this week, so everybody's a little bit stressed. But other than that, your one of your eighty three eleven cast hosts took a uh, hiatus and went up to Minneapolis this weekend to uh, watch La Tortuga play 
in, well, really just one game, um, as, but he appeared in the other game because it was Will and Zostadio night. So uh, fill us in on your weekly turtle tab for this week. Yeah. So as Kyle said, I, uh, I did uh, go up to the uh, Twin Cities this weekend, uh, among other reasons. Will and Zostadio night was not the only reason I went up there. It was also my brother's bachelor party this weekend. But, um, but which one was more important? No comment. Um, but yes, Friday night was Will and Zostadio night at Target Field. I got a really awesome t-shirt that if Kyle stops being obstinate, he will post a picture of on 8311Cast social media. So look for that tomorrow morning. Hopefully you're, Kyle will do that. You're uh, being bashful right now. What? I, I don't like you accusing me. You refuse to post Will and Zostadio stuff. Why? No, I'm not refusing. I'm still waiting for something to be sent my way to post. So. I've can sent you, you Will and Zostadio stuff before. No, you haven't. Yes, I have. You've sent me, to- I've you've told- sent me turtles I've, to- I've told Snapchat. you videos to go post. Like his- I can't post a video. Uh, yeah, you Why can. Not? You, you can post a video Instagram on Instagram. Yeah, but then you have to figure out which clip you actually want, and that's way too much work for me to do just for one fat, slow guy who can, or fat, average speed guy who runs around the bases and then uh, hurts his hamstring. Hey, no spoilers. You just spoiled my segment. Anyway. Because I want you to finish. On our weekly turtle tab, so this week, Willens Studio only appeared in three games. He made two starts and then uh, one appearance. So on Wednesday afternoon in Houston. He went 1-4-3. And then on Will and Zostadio night on Friday, he did not start, which, what's up with that? It's his night. Start the guy. But anyway, he came into pinch hit in the eighth inning and received a very loud standing ovation from the target field faithful, including a chant of La Tortuga that got going during that point. And he did single in that at-bat. And then he did start Saturday afternoon's game where he singled in his first at-bat as well. But then bad news for our, uh, our hero, Willens Astadio, is that when he was tagging to score on a sacrifice fly, he pulled a hamstring. So Willens Astadio is now on the 10-day IL, and he will be back hopefully in 10 days, but we can't uh, guarantee exactly when he'll be back. We will have to keep monitoring that. So your weekly turtle tab might get a little less interesting throughout the uh, the next couple weeks. If no, it'll playing. be great. It'll be short and sweet and to the point. But he is still hitting 327. He's got an OPS of 871. So far for his career, he still has five home runs and four strikeouts. He's the only hitter in baseball with a fair number of at-bats who can say he has more home runs than strikeouts. He's still a great player. There's your weekly turtle tab. Hopefully our hero will come back healthy within a week or two. Yeah, so on to the rest of the MLB. Uh, so we'll give another sad uh, update for the Royals. Uh, at least they aren't the only, the first team to lose 20 games in the MLB this year. Uh, that is your uh, very below average and horribly run team, the Miami Marlins. Uh, but that's besides the point. The Royals avoided uh, two sweeps in the week. Doesn't help when they have to play the Tampa Bay Rays, who are off to a really good start this year. They're the best team in baseball so far. So far, yes. Uh, But um, in some good news, the Royals' bullpen has actually bounced back a bit. While the starters have uh, fallen off a cliff, it seems like, 
the bullpen currently has the second best ERA in the AL for the past 10 games. Uh, so recently they have begun to turn things around. It'll be interesting to see if that will continue. Uh, in other news, uh, one of the Royals' uh, top prospects was just brought up uh, for the weekend series against the Angels since Lucas Duda was finally put on the uh, 10-day injured list. Uh, thank goodness. So that actually opens up a spot for somebody who's a better baseball player. So Kelvin Gutierrez got his chance to make a major league debut in a Royals uniform. Uh, he had quite an impressive uh, two games, uh, both defensively and at the plate. He made some really good plays uh, in the field and was able to contribute with three singles and two RBIs in his first two games, as well as in his first plate appearance, he took a four-pitch walk in which he showed really great plate discipline and not being over-anxious in his first at-bat. Uh, on to other news, Hunter Dozier continues to see the ball and hit the ball really well. His batting average has risen over 60 points in the past four or five games. Uh, he is up to 349 currently with an OPS of 1.143 so far. Uh, and he ha currently has the highest exit, the eighth highest ex exit velocity on balls put into play in the majors this season. And he rarely strikes out anymore, so he's actually putting the ball into play, and he's hitting it very, very hard as well. Uh, he also is the first DH since 2003 to hit two triples in a game. The last person to do that is somebody who you might not expect. He played for the Boston Red Sox, and that is David Ortiz. So he's in pretty good company, and uh, hopefully he'll continue to be able to hit and uh, see the ball really well because he's really the only person who's driving in runs at this point. Yeah, the uh, the, the the twins can hit, but like, so the twins this weekend. So the twins had six games this week. They played the uh, Houston Astros for three uh, in the middle of the week, and then welcomed back the Baltimore Orioles for three this weekend. The twins' schedule has been really weird recently. Four series, they have Baltimore, Houston, Baltimore, Houston, in a really weird twist of the schedule. But anyway, the Twins have really liked uh, playing against the Baltimore Orioles. If you remember last week, I told you that the uh, Twins hit 11 home runs on one day against the Orioles last, uh, in a sweep of the Orioles last weekend. This weekend, when they were playing the Orioles, they hit 12 home runs over the course of a three-game series. Five on Friday, five on Saturday, and two more on Sunday. Um, they swept the Royals. That makes 23 total home runs in six games against the Orioles this year. 12 straight wins against the Orioles dating back to last year for the Twins. Really, the Twins just like playing against the Orioles. The Orioles have been bad, and the Twins have certainly had their number. The Twins went 3-0 over that time. Uh, unfortunately, earlier in the week, they didn't look quite as good against a, a Houston team that's really good. They did manage to take one of three from Houston, but uh, the bullpen sort of imploded in Game 2, and then Game 3, uh, the Twins weren't really ever in Game 3. But like I said, the Astros are coming up again this week for the Twins, so that'll be a good test to see if the Twins, who currently have the second-best record in baseball right now, just behind the Tampa Bay Rays, to see if they're... Uh, living up to expectations, it would be good to see two wins out of this four-game series against the Astros, especially because they face both Cole and Verlander at one point this year. So it would be really good to see, um, good to see two wins out of that series. I'd be happy if they took two out of four from in this four-game series. 
from the Houston Astros. But this Twins team, the offense has certainly come alive. The pitching is doing okay. The back end of the bullpen is pretty good. The rest of the bullpen is really suspect. Alberto Mejia has not been good. Um, Tyler Duffy, there's been some shuffling. Tyler Duffy's been up and down and hasn't been very good. But the back end of the bullpen, Taylor Rogers, Trevor Hildenberger, Blake Parker, for the most part, have been really good. So if the back end of the bullpen can stay good and the starters can continue to deal like Jose Burrios was going, then uh, then they're in good shape. So keep an eye on the Twins. They're hot right now. The Twins are hot, and the Cubbies are getting hotter. So this past week, uh, the Cubs won a series against the Dodgers in Chicago, 2-1, uh, to 7-2 uh, in the first game, 7-6 in the second game, and a loss, 1-2 in the third. Quintana had a wonderful first game. Great job pitching. I'm really happy with the Cubs' bullpen now. Uh, we're still kind of struggling with relievers, but for a closer, at least we have Pedro Strope. That's literally our only closer who I trust personally. In the second game, uh, Brock's credited. Uh, <coughs> sorry, Strope's credited with the save, which was cool. Like I said, really good closer. It was a really good uh, third game as well with the pitching by John Lester before he ended up giving up a run in the fifth. Another one was given up in the seventh, which put us down one. Uh, but what's really interesting now is the series in Arizona against the Diamondbacks, which the last game in this series is still going on as we record. So we lost the first game 3-8, uh, to eight, and then it absolutely blew out the Diamondbacks with a 9-1 to one win. So the first score happened on a Bach. And then Anthony Rizzo hit an RBI double, and then a three-run homer by David Bodie, giving the Cubs a 5-0 lead. All of this happening in the fifth inning. So... Uh, that happened, and then Bodie hits another two-run homer in the seventh, bringing the score seven to nothing. Peralta gives the Diamondbacks their only point in the entire game, the sixth inning off of uh, Homer, and then in the seventh, Rizzo hits a leadoff homer, then Bias hits a double, bang bang, and then Bodie's beamed by the reliever. What coach is Kauk? How do you pronounce his name? Anybody have an idea? Diamondbacks reliever. I have no idea who. You're no, I was just waiting. I was just waiting for you to say it in a different form. I was going to say that, and I, I, I'm too immature. Which uh, had the temperance flare. Uh, benches cleared for the first time this season for the Cubs. Uh, nothing really happened out of it. It was just kind of one of those meet in the middle of the field, have a quick chat, and go back. Warnings were issued. Nothing else happened for the rest of the game. In the last game, uh, the Cubs versus the Diamondbacks are, is currently in play. We're in the bottom of the 10th, all tied up as we record this. Uh, so far, it's been a game of homers, and that's it. Chris Bryan hit a homer. And the third, and Wilson Contreras hits a two-run homer in the fourth, and then Eduardo Escobar hits a homer in the fourth, and then he hits a two-run homer in the bottom of the sixth. So they're still tied up in the tenth. Cubs are looking great. If they end up winning this game, they're going to stay second place in the NL Central. If they lose, they're going to fall behind the Brewers and be exactly at 500. So um, that happened. The NL Central is actually back in order as well. The Pirates are finally under 500, so all's pretty much right in the world. Yeah, go Cubs. I'm still waiting on the outcome of this game. I'm also, sure you'll know by the time of this episode what it is, the outcome. Also in the NL Central, Christian Yelich uh, left the game for the Brewers today with back tightness. That'll definitely be something to uh, keep an eye on in the NL Central. If Yelich misses some time, he's been carrying the Brewers. So if he uh, misses some extended period of time, he could be uh, be in trouble. The Brewers could be in trouble. So that'll be something else to keep an eye on in the NL Central. Boy, no, everyone's still chasing the St. Louis Cardinals, so unless somebody can figure out how to beat them, which the Brewers did not do this week as they got swept, um, then uh, it's not going to matter. Somebody's got to figure out how to beat the Cardinals. They're playing pretty well right now. Yeah. 
so another news uh, in the league, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. made his major league debut, uh, highly touted as the number one prospect in all of baseball. He is now officially not the number one prospect as he has been called up. Uh, he's, he's still the number one prospect. Well, you don't lose prospect status right as you're called up. So not he technically he's not anymore but now he's been no, officially called up by his is. team shut up he is officially still the number one prospect. he has been called up There's by no his team he's only hitting 250 right now so he hasn't been uh able to make good contact with the ball so definition far definition of small sample size he's okay. literally played less than four games you're done now uh he's up and hopefully going to be able to help the Toronto Blue Jays as they need some actual people who can hit the baseball uh a team that cannot hit the baseball, however, are the Red Sox. They cannot pitch or hit or do anything really right now. They drop to 11-7. and seven. Chris Sales sports an ERA over 7, which is not great. Uh, the question there is, will they, be able, will they be able to figure it out and get things turned around? Who knows? We will find out. So, last week, we, I gave you insight on a strange but true baseball injury. Uh, with Blake Snell. So this week, we're going to another one that happened this year. So Joe Kelly is a relief pitcher for the LA Dodgers, and in, in a strange injury that happened to him, so he injured his back while cooking Cajun food for his teammates. Uh, this happened, uh, he was making a meal from scratch, uh, and his back apparently tightened up while he was standing over a pot of boiling crawfish uh, that he was preparing for his teammates, and so he was injured for a significant amount of time. Uh, but when he was questioned about it, they asked, so how did the meal turn out? Uh, in quotes, or I quote what he said, uh, he said, pretty well. According to him, his teammates didn't leave any leftovers. So such a feast might not happen anytime soon uh, unless the team pays for the food on the menu. And that is your strange but true baseball injury. Now I get to inform you, see stupid rules come in handy. You guys learned stupid rules come in handy earlier this episode. Now you see why this segment happens. This is why rules matter. Rules help you understand the game. That's why we tell you about rules. So today, the rule that we're going to tell you about, very important in American League Baseball, it has to do with the designated hitter and uh, what you would do if you would need to put the designated hitter into the game as a fielder. So this doesn't normally happen, but if at any point, so the designated hitter, right, by its definition of its name, is someone who just hits. They don't play the field. They hit instead of the pitcher in the American League. So if you have to put your designated hitter in the field somewhere, for example, maybe you only have two catchers on your roster, and one of your catchers is catching, and the other is the DH, and then your catcher gets a foul ball off their hand and breaks their hand. You need to put somebody else in at catcher. So you have to take the guy who was DHing and put them in at catcher. In that case, you can't put somebody else in at DH. As soon as your DH enters the game in the field, um, you forfeit the DH for the remainder of the game, and the pitcher must bat. So you almost never see pitchers batting in the American League, but this would be a situation where it would happen. If you have to put your DH in the field, you forfeit the DH. Nobody else can... Uh, can replace them if they go into the field as the DH, and the pitcher has to bat the remainder of the game. It doesn't happen very often, but does probably happen a couple times a year, so it's a good thing to keep an eye on. So if you ever see an American League pitcher batting in an American League park, you will know why. That makes sense to everybody? 
Yeah, it does. Or then you see all the crazy uh, uh, substitutions as they try to avoid pitchers from actually having to hit. Yeah, they try to do that too sometimes. But So, I believe that is the end of the rule segment, which means we need to uh, hold ourselves accountable this week. Uh, and this week, we actually have seven things coming off of our list. And last week, Mike was very upset that he didn't get to do this segment, so we will actually let him do, quote-unquote, his segment this week. Thank you. The segment was my idea, so. Alright, first prediction to come off the board. These were predictions that we made back near the end of the college football season. The first one was Kyle predicted that David Montgomery would be drafted in the third round or later. That did come true. Ding, 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 ding. Ding. He is correct. Ding. The second NFL draft prediction we had was I had a prediction that said Hakeem Butler would be a first-round draft pick. As you heard earlier in the episode, he got picked in the fourth round, so that was wrong. So I get a nah. Um Last week, Kyle predicted that Homer Bailey would have two quality starts in a row and have an average of six strikeouts. He had two quite bad starts this week as opposed to two quality starts. So for that, Kyle gets a... Nah. nah. Well, actually, he went six innings today with only four earned runs, so not a not bad a start, start but not a quality start. So we got zero quality starts. Um, last week, I predicted that four quarterbacks would be drafted in the first round. There were only three, as Drew Locke from Missouri did not go in the first round like I was thinking he would. So for that, I get a nah. Nah. Um, also coming off the board was a prediction from Wyatt that the Cubs will win two games against the Dodgers in their series. The Cubs did win two games against the Dodgers. So for that, Wyatt gets a ding, 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 ding. Um, Josh had predicted that the Brewers would win the series against the Cardinals. As we pointed out, the Cardinals swept the Brewers, which, you know, not what Josh predicted. So for that, Josh gets a <laughs> And last week, Wyatt predicted, or two weeks ago, Wyatt predicted that Charles Leclerc would win a would have a podium finish in Azerbaijan, as Wyatt informed you in the episode. In what? You slurred your way through Azerbaijan. that. Azerbaijan. 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 Anyway, that didn't happen, as Wyatt informed you. So, nah, nah. What was in What was in Mike's drink tonight? Water. Okay. Just like every week. So, seeing as I'm the only one who actually has a write that down prediction ready. I will go first. Uh, so in this upcoming series in round two, the Portland Trailblazers will beat the Nuggets in five games. No, I want the Nuggets to win. The Denver Nuggets are the higher seed I want the in this win. round. In five games? Five games. And that series hasn't started yet, right? Because the NBA It has is not weird. started. It starts tomorrow night. I don't know. I believe. Mike, where are you at? Mm, triple. Because it's five games. Okay. If it was beating, it would just be double. But since it's five games, we'll give him a triple for that. Okay. All right. Do you have yours or you want me to go, Wyatt? Um, oh, I'll go. Wyatt doesn't have his. I'm not going to have one in the next five seconds. My prediction is that on graduation, May 11th, the Twins will have the best record in baseball. Currently have the second best record in baseball. I'm predicting they will have the best record in baseball at that point. There's my prediction. Why? What do you? Oh, yeah. You guys gotta tell me what you gave me. What are you giving me for that? Um, Keep in mind that between now and then, the Twins have a tough four-game series against the Astros. How far are they trailing against Tampa Bay? 
they are they're only like a game or a game and a half back. They are currently, let's see, Tampa Bay is 18-9, and nine, Minnesota is 16-9, and nine, so they are a game and a half back. I would yeah. say double. double. Definitely the more quality team. You, even though the twin series are against Houston, New yeah. York, Houston, New York, and Toronto between now and then, still only a double. Toronto's bad. Yeah. I, don't think, I don't think the Yankees are that good since they're beat up. I mean, but they still have like 17 wins. Their pitching is suspect. That should be a triple. Their pitching is suspect. That double. That should be a triple. We both said double, double. That should be a triple. I'm going to say a double. So I still don't have anything. So I'm going to say that, um, oh gosh, Wilson Contreras is going to win the game against the Diamondbacks right now. We're in the top of the 11th. He is on deck and Jason Hayward's at bat right now. So I'm going to say Wilson Contreras is going to give the Cubs the winning score. Uh, to win the game in the top of the 11th, which everybody will already know the outcome of this by the time the episode's posted anyway. But, yeah. What do you think? Um, He's actually at bat right now. Hayward just flew that, out. That he'll he'll win it right now. This at yeah. bat? Yes, yeah, this at bat. Home run. Okay. Home run, because it has to be a home run. Right. Nobody's on so, base. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you a home run for that one. All right. Josh, what's your what's your thing? All right, uh, my prediction um, is that at the end of this week, the Brewers will be ahead of the Cubs. At the end of the week? The Brewers will be ahead of, so next Sunday, the Brewers will be ahead of the Cubs? Yes. Oh, that's, that ain't going to happen. So the Cubs are playing, well, I guess we're playing the Marlins, two-game series against the Marlins, and then um, the... You guys- you have to play the Mariners. Mariners, two game series against the Mariners and the three game series against the Marlins. Um, oh God. So okay, even so if we I mean lose the, out, I mean the Mariners, the Mariners could can rake. But then and I the, hope they beat you for one of my right that down. But then the Marlins, the like, Marlins are trash. Come on, that's the three easy wins again. Who do the Brewers have to play? Colorado and the Mets. So Colorado is didn't start out great, but they're doing better, and the Mets are pretty good. So if the Cubs lose yep. this game, they're going to drop behind. Yep, they'll yep. be third in the NL. Triple. Yep. I'll give them a triple for that. I think that's a good triple. Sounds bueno to me. So, so far, it's an 0-2 pitch against Wilson Contreras. Uh, I really hope I get this right. However, I think we have all four write-that-downs in. Is that, that correct? Yup. That is correct. So that means that it's the end of the write-that-down segment, which also means it's the end of the episode. And, okay, now it's a 1-2 pitch. And that means we're at the end of the episode. I think I already said that. So thanks again for listening to this week's slightly elongated episode of the 8311 Cast, episode 29. Again, where we bring you all things sports to your your beautiful ears. If you want to drop us a line, do that by visiting us at 8311cast.fireside.fm slash contact, hitting us up on our Instagram feed at 8311cast. And I just lost that right that down. <laughs> you <prediction>. did. <laughs> Wilson Contreras struck out while I was talking. That's all right. Um, no. Well, he's, I, he can still do it in the 12th. I didn't specify what inning. I mean, technically you are correct. Or in the 13th. Well, I don't know if we're going to get that many pitches. Well, you actually did say Wilson Contreras will win the game against the Diamondbacks right now. So uh, by that rule, it is this inning. I don't think so. That's that how prediction that is already gone. I don't think we'll, that's we'll, how that works. We'll, if, we'll, if it matters, we'll talk about it and fill you all in next week. That's fair. Um, I already did the outro thing. Signing off for the eighty three eleven cast. We have your hosts Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. Check us out in all places that you listen to podcasts or can listen to podcasts and share with your family and friends. We will talk to you next week for our double quinceanera episode, episode thirty of the eighty three eleven cast. 
again next week. Thanks for listening. Go Cyclones. Bye, y'all. Go Cyclones. Cyclones.